0: Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. We're going to do our Pac-12 football preview. If you want to get to that, maybe jump ahead between two and five minutes. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. But before we get into that, just very quickly, uh, the passing of Vin Scully, longtime Dodger broadcaster, also covered football just and golf.
1: Broadcaster and, extraordinaire. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah one of the last universally liked people. Uh, so
1: true, so true. That it's it's. Uh, I think we've talked about that before, but I noticed it over these last, you know, what, 48 hours or so, that, like, it's just, like, almost impossible to find somebody to say a bad word about him, which is really hard in this day and age.
0: Yeah. You know, he... I, I saw a stat that was interesting you know he covered Walter O'Malley who was born in 1881 and Clayton Kershaw who was born in
1: 1988 so yeah 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 it's uh it's wild it really yeah I mean he had an amazing career and obviously will be remembered most for baseball without uh, you know the Dodgers and his work you know national baseball coverage but you know like you said he you know he uh, football. I mean, he was the play-by-play guy for the, you know, the famous 49ers Cowboys NFC title game that ended with the catch. Um, he he did. was a golf announcer. He, he did it all. And, yeah. and he was good at all of it.
0: He called Hank Aaron's uh, record breaking home run, tie breaking home run with Babe Ruth. Right. Right. You know. yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, he kind of a, kind of a, you know, forced Gump almost in real life. Like if there was something significant that happened, He was either there or was close by, it felt like. Like, you know, like uh, there wasn't a big sports moment, or very many at least, that happened over the last, you know, 50 plus years that he didn't have something to do with, it feels like.
0: If you were so inclined, you should go back and listen to his farewell
1: statement. Yeah. Yeah. From 2016. Yeah.
0: Just uh, a wonderful message you know, it, it just, it summed up, I think a lot of how people felt about him is the fact that he was talking about how, how much he needed the people, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know,
1: I'm sure I, I don't want to say he was egoless cause I'm sure he had an ego. I mean, everybody does. Every human being in the world has a little bit of an ego and a little bit of pride and, and a little bit of cockiness, I, I'm sure. But he, he really certainly never came off as as an arrogant person, as a person who thought he was more important than than the game he covered and so much of sports media feels that way now. It's it's almost you know, everyone in sports media feels like they think they're more important than the game they cover. Um yeah. and, you know, and and that was never him, even though in some ways he was. Like I yeah. mean he wasn't yeah. but he was like, you know, there were games that seemed to matter Simply because he was calling it, um, but he never gave off that vibe that he felt
0: that way. Yeah, he was um, almost Mister Rogers like in the yes. sense that he, you know, everyone seemed to appreciate him because he made everyone feel better. Yeah, you know, there were yeah. so many stories of people. You know, one one I saw was this person was a producer at a local LA radio station they called him he was supposed to be talking about the Dodgers he apologized he was in the grocery store he had forgotten the interview he said can you, can you call me back in 10 minutes I, I'm really sorry so they did yeah. you know and then he made a point after the interview of calling back thanking the kid for <laughs> making accommodations and then you know months later was in at the radio station for something else found the kid again yeah. to thank him again. Like, you That's know, I had
1: heard that, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just, like you said, it just, you know, I'm, I'm sure at some point cause he was a human being and no human being is perfect. I'm sure at some point he, you know, didn't treat somebody that well or whatever, but boy, it's uh, like, you just can't find a story of anybody who says like, well, boy, I had a bad experience with him. He was rude. He was nasty. He, uh, you know, it just seems like, Everybody loved the guy, and, and, yeah, I mean, all the way to the end. And he was, you know, one thing, you and I have talked about it with announcers. They get old and they, they lose it a little. They, you know, they're not as good. They they lose their sharpness. He never seemed to, while he was doing it at least. I mean, you know, and he was a one-man crew. He would do games by himself. And and he never seemed to lose that, that fastball, metaphorically speaking, uh, that he could call a game and, and do it well.
0: Well, and there's there's so many stories, right, of, you know, the the Spanish-language broadcaster for the Dodgers didn't know baseball. And yeah. they hired him to basically translate in real time <laughs> whatever Vin Scully was saying. And that's how he learned. And now he's been right. their announcer for 50 years, too.
1: Right, you right, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it really is cool, you know. And, and I, I mean, I don't know if, if you did, uh, you know, but like, Back at Tucson, you know, in the '90s, before the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers were the were the team, you know, kind of the local team, and we got games on the radio. Did you, did you oh, used yeah. to listen to those games? And yeah, you know, uh,
0: driving I mean, around yeah, so, in the car, so coming back cool. from we, we,
1: we weren't from LA, but we kind of had that experience.
0: Yeah, you'd be coming back from you know grocery shopping or yeah. doing and you're. I remember my dad would put it on, and you would just listen, and yeah, you know, one of. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. My, my recollection is that it was Mike Lupica, but it might not have been. Yeah. Uh, was telling a story years ago. It was when Vin retired. Uh, talking about how, maybe it was Bob Ryan, how it felt like hitters would foul off enough pitches for him to finish the story. You know, like he'd start yeah, a story yeah. with two outs and the guy would have a, a 10 pitch at bat so he could finish the story. <laughs>
1: Uh, well I don't know which uh, I read several articles yesterday so I, I wish I could give it the right attribution but I can't remember who it was but made a similar point in that like said something like you know he was he was an announcer that made you wish for more you know more foul balls on an 02 count so that he could finish his story uh, mm-hmm. and, and and yeah he was you know and yet and yet it never like i said it never became more than the game his stick never overshadowed the game which you know again not to be you know negative nancy but you know like it just seems like so many announcers now if they if they have a stick it becomes more than the game it overshadows the game and it and it never felt that way with him like you know it was always about the game he was calling even if he was telling some funny story he never lost sight of what mattered
0: yeah agree it is a, so a
1: uh, it is a, a sad loss
0: yeah. sad loss for baseball
1: very much. I mean, he wasn't doing games anymore. And it sounds like in the last, you know, I, I read some stuff that the last, you know, few months, years, he, you know, he didn't go out much at all. Uh, you know, I guess his his second wife died. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that about a year and a half ago. And he, he just kind of was never the same after that. And yeah, he was 94. So, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it's not surprising that he might have some mental sharpness fading by that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know. It, in the last week, uh, you know, Bill Russell and Vin Scully have died and you know we aren't old enough to know Bill Russell's prime. We, you know, we we listened to Bill Russell talk and and it, you know, that was big and obviously you can watch highlights, but you know, we are fortunate enough we got to we got to listen to Vin Scully call games and that's that's pretty darn
0: cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um well let's pivot now. We're going to do our Pac-12 football preview. This starts a month of all football previews all the time.
1: Pretty much, pretty much. We might, you know, if there's any other news, we'll mix it in. But yeah, it's a a run up to the end of August and early September when the games start really counting.
0: Um, So we're going to talk about the Pac-12 conference to give us uh, what I've learned in corporate speak is uh, a grounding, to ground us (laughs) in the discussion. Uh, the Pac-12 football media preseason poll. I'm just going to read the finishers in order. Utah yeah. picked to win 26 points. Remember, again, this year we don't have North and South, so it'll just be the top two teams. Right. Uh, but Utah, 26 first-place votes. Oregon, second, two first-place votes. USC, third, but five first-place votes. And then UCLA, Oregon State, Washington. Washington State, Stanford, Cal. Arizona state, Arizona, Colorado is how the media poll
1: went. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you're right. No divisions that kind of, you know, in, in the past, what we've done with this is we've kind of gone through the North then we go through the South. Yes. It doesn't make sense to do that this year, even though the schedules are still built for divisions, but uh, yeah, there is no, no divisions, So it was different and, you know, going through this myself. And uh, so I came up with my relative order of finish basically. And, doesn't differ that much from the media poll. A few differences, you know, slight ones, but nothing, nothing crazy as far as like, oh, they picked them to finish eighth. I'm picking them to win. I'm not I'm not going out on that much of a limb.
0: Yeah i I think for me, my review has led to sort of groupings.
1: Yes, I, I kind of started that way too, like tiers. Yeah, top tier. I kind of have, I kind of have four tiers. I guess if, if I was going to say it, I have a top tier, I have a second tier. And then, a you know, then you get into the teams that are probably, you know, the third tier is kind of, you're battling for your six wins to get to a bowl. And then your bottom tier is your teams that I don't think sniff a bowl game.
0: Yeah. I, so for me, my, I had four teams that I think are competing for two spots for the top. Yeah. For the, okay. at the top to win the division. I've got the LA schools, Oregon, and Utah, yeah. as the as the four. I th- I think you know, obviously Utah returns everyone, but Britton Covey somehow is not on the team. <laughs> I know, I know <laughs> his
1: his eighteen year career is over. It's a real shame, yeah. but uh, yes, they they do return a lot, um, and
0: yeah, with you, I'll, I'll let you finish your thought, right. and then I'll tell you where I'm going with them. So I I feel I like Utah. Oregon seems to be doing the same thing they always do, which is they've got a lot of hype and a lot of talent, uh, and they've got another Sewell. Yes, Uh,
1: yes, probably the best player on the team, at least you know production and talent.
0: And then we'll find out, you know what what Bo Nix is like as he returns to the SEC Week One against Georgia.
1: We'll talk, let's talk some Oregon as we go through this because yeah. yes, I have I have some thoughts on that.
0: And then the L.A. school. So in terms of returning talent and you know positive trends in that regard, it, it's hard to argue with what UCLA brings back. DTR, Agreed. twenty-one touchdowns to six picks. Agreed. Zach Charbonnet's Charbonnet. back. He had a thousand yep. yards and thirteen touchdowns. Yep, You know, yep, yep. if they can if, if they can stop people on defense somehow, Big if, but yes, agreed. they'll be OK.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and, and then USC's the
0: flip. Yeah.
1: You know, nothing you, returning, everything new, but but lots of new talent and new coaches yeah. and all of that.
0: And, and Oklahoma was pretty good, and they're bringing in yep. the quarterback and the coach, and and their top receiver and the top from, receiver, uh, one of their top
1: receivers, and then and then the top receiver in the country last year. Or one, of, I think he was at least a finalist for the Bolitnikov. He might have yeah, won it from Pitt. It from Pitt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, and you then know, it's you've a got... it's a great study in in you know college free agency in a way because like, can you you know, quarterback, starting running back, top four receivers basically are all you know, from different schools last year and how quickly does it all mesh together?
0: Well, and one of the things that if you treat it the way that you would discuss it in professional football, not only did they boost themselves, but they hurt Colorado. They hurt Oregon. They hurt ASU. They, they
1: hurt Oregon. Travis guy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that to me is, is interesting, which is why I have them in that tier. They, they to me are the wild card. So, yeah. I wind up going Oregon, Utah, UCLA, and I'm picking USC fourth, but I could just as easily after, you know, week 3 decide. Oh man, I missed that. They're they're the best. They're
1: the best. Yeah. But they yeah, could also I mean, be the worst. Th- yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. So so I I kind of have tiers as well, but for me, I'll say tier 1 for me was Utah it, alone. Um, I, you know, I think Utah is in the conference championship game. And then it was a question of who I was going to pick to, to face them. And I kind of had five teams that I could choose from the three. We've the three, you mentioned Oregon, UCLA, USC are, are in that five. But I also had Oregon state and Washington state in that group. Like I'm not, I'm not ruling. I'm not picking either one of them. I couldn't ultimately do it. I thought about it. Um, but, like, I think that two through six, if you told me any of those five made the conference title game at the end of the year, I wouldn't be shocked.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i with you on that. You know, so my next tier, and I want you to keep going about this, but sure. but my next tier is just too deep. It's just okay. Oregon State and Washington State.
1: So we're, we're in general agreement that's your top half of the conference because it is mine. Yeah. Uh, so what? I'll I'll be honest I, I, I did I went through game
0: by game and I picked winners for each game so I could have standings. And I did not do. That. I
1: have I have those six teams all being six and three or better in the conference.
0: Okay, well that does not bode well for the bottom half of the conference.
1: No 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 I have some yeah I mean you know again yeah the, the numbers have to equal out. Uh, so there's yeah, no parity. I ended
0: up parody. with, ended up what with I mean. Utah and Oregon both going eight and one. So there you go that's my conference
1: title game. Um, I'll tell you, I have my only Utah loss being at Washington state on a Thursday night. Feels like prime upset time that happens so often in the PAC 12 road game, tough environment, Thursday night game. But I have them beating Oregon later in the year to give Oregon its only conference loss. And then them rematching in the conference championship game.
0: Interesting. So I, that is my conference title game matchup as well. Um, so I,
1: let's talk a little Oregon because I was, I was torn on them. I, I kind of didn't want to pick them at first because I'm not sold on the Bo Nix thing. A um, new head coach. They don't, new head coach who I like. I think he's a good coach. I think it's a good hire, but new coach. And they don't have the, you know, superstar player this year. It feels like they don't have a Justin Herbert. They don't have cave Thibodeau. You know, they don't like Noah Sewell's good, but he's probably not a, you know, top five overall draft pick. He's a very good player but they don't seem to have that like headline guy. But I, I mean, I'll, I'll admit I was leaning to picking someone else. And then I read the athletic state of the program that was done over the summer. And they, they really hammered, like Cristobal recruited really well and they're deep at positions they didn't used to be deep at. And they've got, you know, and, and that was his calling card was he recruited well. And so ultimately I just felt like, I think they lose to Georgia in the opener. Um, but I, I, you know, then I was kind of running through the schedule, and I just didn't, I didn't see any losses, uh, you know. And Utah's a home game. I mean, they get Utah at home in November. I picked Utah in part because it plays into how I have the entire season playing out in the end of the season. But you know, that plays into their hands getting them at Austin, obviously.
0: Hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: I, so my prediction is this: with Oregon, Bo Nix starts the season. They struggle in the opener. The next couple games are non-conference games against fairly weak opponents. They split the reps, and by the first of October, Ty Thompson is the starting quarterback.
0: That you know that very well could be. Uh, Nick's has the experience, and I know that you know they asked him and he gave the answer. They said, "Do you you know think you're going to start or something to that effect?" Yeah. Uh, and, or they said, what happens if you're not named the starter? And he said, I haven't given that any thought. I, I just sure. go in assuming I'm going to be the starter, which, okay, fine, fair. Sure. sure. Um. But you, it's a five-star guy right behind you who doesn't come with the badge. I know Nix was a highly touted recruit as well. He
1: was. He was. You know, He had but, his best year when Dillingham was the offensive coordinator at Auburn, and now he's the offensive coordinator there. So... You know, there is some history there, but it just, I don't know. I feel like for every, you know, Russell Wilson or, you know, those type of guys, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, home run transfers, there's a handful that, you know, it just doesn't work out. It's just, it's a veteran guy who wasn't great at his previous stop. And then he's not great at his next stop. And we're like, well, why did we think he was going to be great at the next, you know, like he is who he is. We've seen him three years at Auburn. He, he's a decent quarterback. But is he good enough to, you know, raise the level and and win a conference title? I don't, I don't see
0: it. Well, and it feels like the sort of thing you, have you know, grown accustomed to with Clemson, grown accustomed to with Alabama, where you see that change get made now. If it's, the tie does not go to the veteran, the tie goes to the younger guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, so, you know, Ty Thompson's an interesting one because he's from here. You know, he's from – I think he went to Gilbert or, or somewhere in the Gilbert area, one of those schools. And So I followed him a little last year. And, you know, they started Anthony Brown all year last year. And Anthony Brown was not great. Like He was okay, but he never was great. And, and even in the conference title game when they were getting rocked by Utah, they kept Anthony Brown in the entire game. It was almost like, man, is Ty Thompson not as good as we think? Like what – you know, what is the deal? Um but, I, you know, you hear good things about how he looked in the offseason. I know he went to the Manning camp and, you know, got some good reviews there. It felt like, you know, kind of stood out among the quarterbacks there, which, I mean, that camp gets every big-time quarterback, it feels like. So to stand out means you did something right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like it's one of those where – and Utah is a good example because they did it last year. You know, they got Charlie Brewer. They probably felt obligated to start Charlie Brewer. They did. They started out rough. They benched Charlie Brewer. They went to Cam Rising, also a transfer, admittedly, but he'd been there the year before, and it was a much better. And I mean, I don't think they lost again until the Rose Bowl, if I remember right.
0: Yeah. No, you're you are exactly right.
1: So I just there's so many of those, and there's there's others in the conference that you look at that like they're probably going to start the highly touted transfer to start out with, but does it stay that way? And and Oregon's the one of all of them that I'm like yeah I, I'm not sure it stays that way. So I I got them 10 and 2 and I got I got Utah 11 and 1, each 8 and 1 in the conference. And then I also got UCLA 10 and 2. 7 and 2 in conference, but I haven't losing to Utah and Oregon and that's it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I understand cuz if their defense comes together,
1: yeah, yeah, it just it was really one of those where like I added up the numbers, and I ended up with 10 wins. Like, I didn't set out to have UCLA have that good a record. I will admit, as I did this, there are teams that I kind of had preconceived notions that, like, they're going to get to here, so I got to make sure they get them there. Mm-hmm. With UCLA, it was more like, well, just go through the games and see. Their non-conference is not tough. Um, I, you know, it came down for me kind of to the end of the year that, you know, the USC-UCLA game. I had them both, I think, 8-2 and two going in, and I had UCLA winning it. And then I think they finished with Cal, and I had him winning that too.
0: Yeah, it's it'll be interesting, right? So they got a new defensive coordinator. Yeah, they, which they gotta get better defensively.
1: They can't be much
0: worse. It w- feels like. Well, their past defense was one of the worst in the country, and they couldn't yeah. get. You know, this is one of those things where it's like, well, if you get pressure on the quarterback, or you have good secondary, and they had neither. Right. You right. know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe they can start getting pressure on the quarterback. They, you know, they've got some talent up in the the front four. Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting year for them. It feels like, you know, like it's, it's not a make or break year, but you know, like you're heading into the big 10 soon and I don't know how competitive they're going to be in the big 10 starting out. And you got this, you know, returning quarterback, tons of experience. He wasn't expected to come back. Like, at one time in the offseason, it was, you know, in January, it was almost a certainty he was leaving, and they had Dylan Gabriel committed. Then Gabriel ends up going to Oklahoma because Caleb Williams leaves Oklahoma. Then they get DTR back, and it's all a crazy circle. Um, and so he comes back, you know, you, you know, Chip Kelly, what, in his fifth year now, fourth year, something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's it's like, it's time. And if it's going to happen to have a really good year, it feels like you're not going to have a better chance than this one in the next few years, because the Big Ten transition could be particularly tough for them. I mm-hmm. think it looks tougher for them than USC, but it's probably going to be tough for both.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about Oregon State.
1: Yeah, let's. Yeah, I want to talk Oregon State and Washington State. I think they're both intriguing.
0: So Oregon State last year, 7-6, and 5-4 in conference, beat Utah but yeah. lost to Cal in Colorado. Like you clean that yeah. up as a program. You're, you're nine and four.
1: It was a weird year. Yeah. Because they had, you're right. So they beat Utah. I think that was Utah's only loss after they made the quarterback change. Cause that was, I think, wasn't that the week after we lost to Utah? Yeah. And it was like, they gave, they gave us a chance, you know, Oregon state did us the favor, got us back in the mix and then we lost the next week too. And it didn't matter, but but uh, yeah, they had, a, they had an interesting year, it, but it felt like, you know, the, the kind of typical growth year that you have, you know, they it was their their first year of a winning season in God knows how long, wasn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. I, they hadn't had a winning record in probably at least five years, probably longer than that.
0: Yeah, well, and we talked about before last season, it kind of felt like this was a team that was buying into their head coach, didn't it? Yes,
1: yes, for sure, and still does.
0: And now, like, okay, you saw the promise. You saw the start of the turnaround. I believe, and I, I, I imagine you'd agree, but I believe that for a lot of schools, Corvallis is a hard place to play. It, sure, It's a sure. hard trip to get to. Their fan base is yes. pretty dedicated when the team's good. I mean, we saw yeah. it with the Erickson era.
1: Sure, sure. You the know, weather can be dicey. You know, mm-hmm. you can get some real sloppy games there with the
0: fog, you can the rain, get cold, and cold. Yeah, cold yeah, and wet. Yeah. I
1: mean it's it's tough. Yeah. And I'm looking, by the way, to confirm what I thought. Their last winning season prior to last year was twenty thirteen when they also went seven and six. So it had been a while. So you know, it felt like kind of your typical year of like didn't quite know how to win at the highest level. They had they'd have some, you know, stops and starts. But feel like you know they're they're ready to take the next step. I think uh, doesn't mean they're going to win the conference. I don't think so. But I got them 84, six and three in the conference is how I ended up with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm losing to Fresno State out of conference. Uh, they played Boise as well, but I had them win that. It's at it's at Corvallis. I felt like they win that game.
0: Yeah. Um. But I, so I'm I'm still very much intrigued by them. And then yeah. Washington State crazy year last year very very uh coaching changes big issues uh outs extra extra curricular issues for that
1: team yes yes yeah a ton but uh rallied you know in the second half of the year we were we were on the wrong end of it you know where it wasn't at the first game after they made the coaching change i think yeah the second game they came in here and beat us up and you know, they beat Washington convincingly. Washington wasn't great last year, but still, that was a, that was a big win for them because um, Washington had owned them for years, felt like, before that. and You know, and then they kept the coach, um, the interim coach. You know, hired mm-hmm. him on a full-time basis, which I think well, made a lot of sense. You know, seemed like the right move.
0: And then they bring in Cameron Ward. Yeah, very uh, intriguing. Very, you very know, like, highly touted in the transfer portal as kind of a mystery man right there, he, had, yeah. he had 47 touchdowns yeah. yeah he had 47 touchdowns last year yeah threw over 4600 yards but what does that mean on the Palouse? you know and that's
1: the that's the big question for me and like if i was more confident that he was you know being great as a freshman in fcs meant you could be equally great as a sophomore in the pac12 I might have picked them to be even better. But I, I, I kind of hedged my bets with them. I have I have them the same thing, eight, four, six, and three. Same finish as Oregon State. And same finish as USC. I, I will throw them and let's talk a little USC too a little more. Okay. When we're done with Washington State. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued by the kid. I mean I you know, like it it could be that, you know, FCS ball is a whole different level and he gets humbled. Um but boy, lots of I mean, seems like a lot of talent. You know, it was totally off the radar coming out of high school, but apparently played in like a triple option offense and uh, you know, so didn't see him and you didn't had need one to know his
0: arm talent. Yeah. And now you see that he may have an electric arm. And yeah look, the I uh, not that the lower tiers of football are becoming closer to the bigger tiers or the higher tiers of football. Yeah. But quarterback play feels like the sort of thing that could translate because sure, sure. you know you're still super protected accuracy yeah. is accuracy it's i guess it's if your guys get open May you know is he having to throw into tighter windows no
1: yeah yeah well and and if i'm remembering right didn't he, I mean, wasn't the assistant or head coach at Incarnate Word is now the offensive coordinator of Washington State? Yeah. Like he, uh, there's coaching continuity Eric, there. He's not just going to a new brand new place.
0: Eric Morris is now the yes. offensive coordinator. At, yeah. And will yeah. be calling plays.
1: So it's a, it's a really interesting scenario because, you know, they finished last year on a high note. They have Jaden DeLora, who, you know, we'll talk about more. He transfers to Arizona, so we'll get to him. But he's, you know, he's coming off a sophomore year. You feel like he's going to stay, you know, continuity. They end up, you know, kind of making eyes at this Cameron Ward kid, which I think pushed Delora out and they get him. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's college football in the modern day, basically, because mm-hmm. in, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been a foregone conclusion. Jaden Dolores stays and, and, you know, they keep things the same and that's just the way it is, but in today's era where you can plug in a new guy that you want a little bit more and the other guy can go somewhere else and play right away. Why not make the trade, see how it works.
0: Let's pivot back to USC.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just touch so, on them a little uh, more.
0: Yeah. The the most interesting offseason in perhaps all of college football.
1: For sure. For uh, sure. Yeah. Given the coach, the players, the conference change, like, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy, you know, what, eight, nine months in, in USC land.
0: So they bring in Lincoln Riley kind of out of nowhere. Um,
1: sure. Seemed like it. Yeah.
0: And, and you wonder, did they already have discussions with the big 10? Was this, you know, I, I've seen reporting that suggests that Riley did not commit to this job with the understanding that they were switching conferences, but no, you know, it's an interesting thing to consider. It
1: is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did he get what he bargained for? You know, there was always, there was the theory. He never said it. He was, he's not going to. That one of the reasons he wanted to leave Oklahoma was that he didn't, you know, want to go to the SEC. He didn't support the move. He didn't, you know, he didn't want to do that. And, you know, the Big Ten's not the SEC, but in some ways their transition to the Big Ten is, I think, going to be much tougher than Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. It's, it's just a whole new world going to the Big Ten for those two schools and I just think well, everything's up for grabs. So it's going to be tough on him.
0: I mean, you're potentially going to be playing a body time 9 a.m. game in New Jersey.
1: Right, right. You know, you know cold weather October and November games. Um, recruiting is going to be a challenge. I mean, it, it just is. Like, yeah, it's easier to recruit nationally than before, no doubt, but you know, ask Nebraska, and I realize Nebraska is not USC. It's not apples to apples, but Nebraska lost its its recruiting base by going from Big Twelve to Big Ten, and ge- geographically, that's not even that much of a difference. But mm-hmm. they kind of lost their core, and now you're recruiting against Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa. It's it's tough, yeah. and and it's just a different style of football too. Some of those schools are, you know. Smash mouth, ugly football, and I mean it works for them, but that's not Lincoln Riley's style of football at all.
0: Well, and that was one of the things I was going to bring up is you're going for a from a conference where Stanford is the outlier. Yeah, yeah. To a conference where most of the teams play, look, obviously Ohio State, Michigan are open ish, but they also Ohio State will beat I you up Michigan. in this. Yeah. You yeah. Know, They'll beat you up in the trenches.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and Wisconsin is that's their calling card. Wisconsin and Iowa.
0: I was gonna say yeah. Wisconsin and Iowa, your your light defensive ends who are, you know, NFL outside linebacker right. sized, that they're gonna just get mauled in some of yeah, these places.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's gonna be obviously, you know, this is two years off, but it it feels like for USC, if you if you're a USC fan right now, don't you kind of have 2023 circled as like a, hey, if we're gonna make a big time run, it kind of needs to be then, or it might be a little bit before we do. I don't think it happens this year. I just they got the sexy names, they added a bunch of skill guys, but defensively they were a nightmare last year. And I mean, did they get that much better? I don't think so. Offensive line, did they get that much better? I don't think so. So, like, I think they are much improved because of the skill, talent, and the coaching they've added, but not improved enough to win the conference or, or make a real run. So it kind of feels like next year, when, you know, Caleb Williams in his third year, some of these other guys will still be there. Like, that feels like the time that, it, like, if you're going to make a big run at the playoff, 2023 might be the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And maybe they got a shot. I know they're, you know, they're a sexy Vegas pick, and, you know, but. And I just I feel like he gets seduced by the names. You know, it's Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison, and those guys are good players. But you know, to win at the highest level in college football, you got to have a team. You got to have offensive linemen. You got to have defensive linemen. Look at Alabama. Look at Georgia. Look at you know LSU. Like those teams that win championships, they got studs all over the place. And I don't think USC has anywhere close to that yet.
0: But they are building, and they they are. They are, yeah. Uh, uh, of the teams that aren't, you know, in the SEC, I'd I'd put their NIL program and plan up against anybody else.
1: Yeah, know? I mean it's it's a it's a sexy destination because it's LA, and you know you can you know lots of young athletes you know fancy themselves as future entertainers as well. It's sort of a LeBron model. I want to be a, a star in my sport, but I also want to get my name in the, you know, in the entertainment world. And L.A. certainly doesn't lack for that, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, I think they can they can appeal. And obviously, Lincoln Riley's got a, a very entertaining style, produced plenty of NFL quarterbacks, wide receivers, uh, you know, at Oklahoma and got to the playoff a bunch. But, you know, the million dollar question, maybe the multi million dollar question is, does that style, you know, can you play good enough defense and and beat, you know, Alabama and LSU and Georgia? Because so far in his career, the answer has been no. Yeah. And mo- more often than not, they've been run off the field by those teams. Now, the Georgia game in the Rose Bowl was a, you know, thriller overtime, could have gone either way. But, you know, LSU blew him out of the water. Alabama blew him out a few years ago in the, in the Orange Bowl. I mean, it, when they've gotten into those games, they've not competed. Yeah, and it's a you know we'll see we'll see but nonetheless I I mean I think Utah is the best team in the conference I think Oregon is right there with them but I think USC is certainly the most interesting team in the conference this year yeah. the one that'll draw the most eyeballs and the most like well let's let's catch up with them and see how they're doing
0: agreed um so for me the next tier is the questions tier
1: yeah yeah. And to me, there's a dividing line. What? six and the other six. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I, I, you know, don't have much overlap from the mm-hmm. top half to the bottom half in my mind.
0: Yeah, I've got, so in this tier, I've got four schools. I've got Washington, Cal, Stanford, ASU.
1: That's exactly the same as me.
0: Because it's, it, it, like, I can make an argument for the others, for anyone yeah. here, for, you know, something goes right. You know, Washington had a lot of talent, and Jimmy Lake kind of made it weird. It
1: was a disaster. Yeah, but, it, it was just a disaster hire. But you're right. Like, I don't think they were as bad as they seemed last year. Yeah, Their, their and, season was a nightmare, but were they really that bad? It feels like no.
0: Yeah. And and Kalen Boer, DeBoer sorry, is one yeah. of, you know, He's the kind of coach who everything you hear is like, he could put this together. He yeah. he he can yeah. take the talented team and turn this into something. And
1: well, I mean, he, he's had a fair amount of success at Fresno the last Fresno couple of years. Yeah. Uh, you know, they get a transfer quarterback. They're the other one I was thinking about with regard to. They get a transfer quarterback. I think he'll be the starter to start the year, PennX from from Indiana. But is he the starter all year? Because they got... They got two pretty highly touted guys behind him. Now, Dylan Morris had a really tough year last year, and I'm surprised he's still there. He, he seemed like transfer portal written all over him, but he, he didn't leave. But then Sam Huard, the the son of, I believe, Damon? I think I remember it's,
0: remembering yeah, right, on is three Brock. Hewards.
1: Brock Heward was his, uh, yeah, uh, was, you know, hugely touted, um, played just a little bit last year, didn't play well, but again, it's a nightmare season. Um, I'm curious to see how that plays out for them. Because Penix is good, but he's also injury prone. I mean, yeah. Every year at Indiana he had he had injuries that cost him time and like can you really depend on him to be there for twelve games?
0: Well and then so also in the tier with question marks, different question marks, but question marks is Stanford. Because yeah. they've won before and they have. Yeah, you know, they have. But the, it's one of those things like it used to be that we would bet against david shaw and now it's we don't bet against david shaw
1: <laughs> even though two of the last three years have been pretty ugly uh, last year didn't they go 3
0: and 9 if i recall 3 and 9 2 and 7 in conference yeah
1: and and they had a decent 2020 with weird circumstances obviously it was a short year and and they they got something out of it but 2019 weren't they under 500 then too
0: i believe that's true yes
1: the last So the last two full years they've had, full seasons, uh, yeah, they went 4-8 and eight in 2019, 3-6 in conference. So, you know, they just, like, they may have the best quarterback in the league. I think Tanner McKee might be the, the best quarterback. I don't think he'll be the all-conference quarterback because I don't think they're going to be good enough. But as far as, like, you know, draft, uh, you know, potential, he's intriguing. But I just, boy, they just don't seem to have the, the dudes they used to have for lack of a better, like, they used to always have, you know, studs on the defensive line, studs on the offensive line. Yeah, and They don't seem to have that right now. It's like, you know, they're, they're very shallow. I know there's big hopes for Emmett Smith, the running back, EJ Smith. He's going to be the starter, and people, you know, I've heard, of, you know, he's going to be a breakout, and the key's good. And, but it's like they just don't have the, the substance they once had.
0: Yeah, and, and it's interesting, right, because – this is a school that gives a long leash to head coaches but, Yes. you know ha, has Shaw kind of lost touch you know I mean, they were
1: you could ask that question I in, in yeah, they I were it's a fair question
0: to ask they were 122nd in total offense and 114th in total defense last season yeah
1: yeah they yeah. kind of lost their identity i mean their identity under him Harbaugh prior, you know, the Harbaugh years, but then he picked right up and had a ton of success for many years after Harbaugh. So it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't like he just, you know, had one good year. But their identity was smashed. Like you just, we were talking about Iowa and Wisconsin. That was their identity. They ran the ball.
0: They were going right to come out with you. a fullback and two tight ends. Yes.
1: And big, nasty offensive linemen. And remember, I mean, remember that game they played here last year, and that was not a fluke. They couldn't run the ball at all. Like, I mean, the only way they saw that game was McKee throwing it all over. And 2020, when they had the halfway decent year, it was Davis Mills, you know, and, and throwing it. You know, it's like they've they've become pass-happy because they don't have the personnel to be the power run team that they used to be. Mm-hmm. And and yet they're not, they're not like totally pass-happy in the sense that they're going to spread it out five-wides, you know, quick passing game that that so many teams do. It's like they they still want to run pro style. Uh, yeah, it just kind of feels like they're not they're not special anymore. Like mm-hmm. they're 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 trying to still play the same way but they don't have the personnel to do it. Yeah. I'm not high on them. I got I ended up with them 3 and 9 again. Same mm-hmm. thing, 3 and 9 2 and 7. They have, they have Notre Dame and BYU non-conference. I think they lose both of those. Um and it just you know, I just didn't find many likely wins for them in the conference season.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll get into ASU, but let's talk about Cal. Yeah. So, Cal used to be offense, 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 and try <laughs> to outscore people. And now Cal is defense, 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 and hope our offense can do something.
1: <laughs> Total hmm. transformation from the Sonny Dykes years to the Justin Wilcox years.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got... Jack Plummer from Purdue coming yeah, in.
1: Another another Arizona kid is gonna be starting in the conference, it feels like.
0: Um maybe they can pop up for a bowl. You know, they So I, I have them finishing five and seven. So right around there,
1: ultimately not making one unless, you know, five and seven teams get in, which sometimes they do. Um, but yeah, I think they're kinda of right in that ballpark of a five and seven, six and six type season.
0: And so it'll be interesting because if they could carve out any sort of offensive identity, they've, they've got a very exciting defensive potential, right? Like, you know, they've played really well since Wilcox has been there last year. They were fourth in the conference in defense and best in yards per play allowed. That you know yeah. that's something that you can yeah try to build off of. But
1: no doubt, yeah. I mean they've been good defensively and you know, him staying is a is kind of maybe an underrated story because the thought was that, you know, the Oregon job was his if he wanted it. He's he's an Oregon alum. Um, he coached there. It was a you know, oh if Oregon offers he's gonna go and he decided not to. And, you know, it's been a weird couple years for Cal. They've had, you know, probably probably no program in the country had tougher restrictions in 2020 uh-huh. um, they you know, couldn't Stanford practice. maybe a little bit too yeah. but it, you know that was tough and then last year they had you know they were one of the few teams that got hit during the season because of the you know the rules in berkeley and the contract tracing and all that and they lost that game in tucson because they had like 30 guys that couldn't make the trip or something like that so everything was was on the wall for justin wilcox to say i want out and he didn't. He didn't take the opportunity. So it's notable. I don't know what to make of it, but but it's worth noting.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the last one's ASU, which we'll we'll get into a deeper dive, but for sure. You know, only four returning starters on defense. Biggest question. And, yeah. And and Gosh, offensive all line. Over the board, honestly. Yeah. It, how does it mesh? What do they do? The only thing I'm not worried about. And maybe this will come back to bite me. I don't know. But the only thing I'm not worried about is I bet the defensive line gets pressure on the quarterback. It should be pretty good. I agree. I, yeah, we got enough a, there and a great and coach.
1: It, and the coaching seems good. I agree. So I didn't. I didn't give my record projection for Washington. I have them six and six. I have them squeaking out a bowl game. ASU, I do not. I, we'll we'll go through game by game, and I may change this by the time we do. But I had them five and seven, three and six. Okay. Uh, you know, on the. On the border, um, a little optimistic. I mean, I think they win the two of the first three. We've talked about that. I think you know, the non-conference season is, I hesitate to say this, but fairly easy to predict because I think they have no chance to win at Oklahoma State, and they should win the two home games against NAU and Eastern Michigan. I hope to God they do. Um, so, I, you know, I think one and two, and then, you know, it's that, it's that second half, or the last seven games, I guess to say, that you know, not a single game on the schedule do I think is impossible to win, but not a single game on the schedule do I think is a guaranteed win either. No. It, it could go either way.
0: Uh, and then let's let's pivot to the bottom: Arizona, Colorado. Last year, the Buffs were four and eight, three and six in the conference. Um, Arizona, obviously, one and eleven, one and eight. Only the win against that just completely Cal depleted Kyle team. team
1: right which they barely won i like think mm-hmm. they scored wasn't it wasn't it like three to three late in the game or something like that it was one of the mm-hmm. ugliest football games you could ever imagine um uh, you know in the vein of that like three to two game with virginia tech and wake forest a few years ago i believe um but yeah uh, you know arizona they they added some some interesting names you know delora mm-hmm. The quarterback that we talked about. They got the transfer receiver from UTEP. They got the freshman receiver. I can't remember his name offhand. Yeah, I know T- it's highly touted.
0: To Tyro McMillan. McMillan's the last That's name. It.
1: McMillan. Yes, yes. I knew it was something. I, yeah, and the, the kid from UTEP, I believe, is Cowling, Jacob Cowling. Yeah, um, who was who was on the ASU's radar too. I remember for for a period there, but um, I just don't think you know. First of all, their non conference is not easy. San Diego State. I think is a really good team. And I think that's on the road, if I remember right. Then yeah. they get Mississippi State at home. I think that's I mean Mississippi State I think is a very solid SEC team. And then North Dakota State, who's more than capable of beating a, you know, bottom tier FBS team. So yeah. they could they could easily go 0 and three in that non conference schedule, I feel like.
0: And and to be clear, San Diego State may be auditioning for a expansion slot.
1: Facts well, that's true, yeah. Yeah. So I mean I, I think that's a tough run. I They're one of those teams, I feel like if they got off to a good start, if they had a soft non-conference like ASU, if they had ASU's non-conference schedule where they could easily probably go two and one, you feel like, well, you know, okay, maybe they carry some momentum in, they put off a couple conference wins, and they end up with, you know, five or six wins. But I I think they go 0-3 in that, Uh, you know, and so then it, where do the wins come? I have them 1-11, and and I have Colorado 0-12. So you can figure out where I picked Arizona's win over Colorado.
0: Yeah, I, um... Because
1: Colorado's got a tough non-conference, too. TCU, Air Force, and Minnesota. That's that's not an easy three games.
0: Yeah, I am not excited about Colorado's prospects this year. No,
1: I think Colorado might be the worst team in FBS, or at least Power 5, I should say. Uh, the, the, the offensive coordinator hire, Mike Sanford, could not be more uninspired if he tried. Um and, yeah, I mean, Carl Durrell, I think that was a fairly uninspired hire. They had, a, they had a fluky 2020 season. They took advantage of the weirdest season in Pac-10, 12, whatever history. Um, but
0: it came back to Earth last year, and I think it plummets to Earth this year. Yeah, they are a, a program just, you know, groping in the dark for a direction yeah. here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So i I think if you're, well, I shouldn't say this because you know who knows. But if you're if you're betting on a team to make a coaching change after this season, I think Colorado's a pretty good bet as the most likely. But ASU is probably the most likely given everything else that's going on.
0: Yeah, I, who I knows? maybe we we can just trade and we'll take Durrell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I want that, but. Uh, you know, I mean, there was, gosh, how many new coaches are there this year? Uh, you know, Washington mm-hmm.
0: State, Washington, Oregon, okay. USC. Yeah, I mean, that's a third that's of the it. conference.
1: That's a third of the, and, and am I forgetting somebody? That might be it. I
0: but think that's it. A handful it.
1: that were new the year before. Arizona, obviously, second year. Uh, Colorado, well, Colorado, I guess is third year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so a lot of turnover in the in the coaching realm of this conference in the last few seasons.
0: Yeah, but not at Utah. Utah,
1: not at Utah. No,
0: no. They just do what they do. Yeah, the the one thing to their credit, and it's it seems to be athletic department wide because it's football and basketball. They're gonna be Utah. They're, yeah, you know, you, yeah. They're gonna stick with their guys. They're gonna believe it. They, they're gonna find a coach who has a system that they can get behind. And then they're just going to get behind that system.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are, they're not exactly what Stanford was in terms of their style, but they are what Stanford was in terms of just like, they are, they are the team. They are, they don't pretend to be something else. Uh, They're going to run it. Well, they're going to play good defense. They're going to have an effective quarterback, uh, you know, and, and they're probably, you know, if the quarterback's good enough, they can win 10 or 11 games and win the conference. If the quarterback's average, they're probably going to eight win team. Mm-hmm. They're still going to find a way to be pretty darn good every year, it feels like.
0: Yeah. They'll just keep churning out some version of Alamo Bowl to New Year's Bowl.
1: Yeah. And I'm, so, I mean, we're going to talk our national picks next week or the next time, I think. That was our plan. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'll just say it right now I've got Utah winning the Pac 12 and making the college football playoff. I think they get
0: in. Ooh, that's a teaser. Find out Matt's other three. Find out my four. Yes, when so, we come back.
1: But you got to make your pick. Who wins the Pac-12? At least. So you don't I have to give me a playoff pick. But. So
0: I have it also being Utah, Oregon. I've got Utah winning. Okay. I did not do a game by game, so I didn't have a record. For either of them, but I, I had this as being a, a Utah double up on Oregon, winning yeah. the regular season, winning the conference tournament at the neutral they, or conference. They dominated them
1: so much last year that it just, like, you know, that was. And maybe I'm, you know, I probably did that with a lot of my picks and stuff, is, is paying too much attention to what happened last year, but boy, that was just domination in those two matchups last year. And I don't know that Oregon has changed enough to make up the difference.
0: Well, and, and it just. What I envision is the first game is going to be Utah just grinding it out. Yeah. Arms length. Yeah. Never closer than seven. Never further than, you know, 14. But just wearing them down. And then Oregon's going to come into the, the title game and say, hey, look, we understand. We got to come out quick. We got to do these things. And Utah's just going to keep in Utah. They'll get up by one or two scores. They'll stay up by one or two scores.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way they play defense, it's not like, they're not a team that's built to like, Oh, we can go shot for shot with them or we can come back. I mean, they're always a good defensive team. They always have good pass rush. I know they didn't in the, in the bowl game there against Ohio state, but they had so many, I mean they had a backup running back playing number one corner and Mm -hmm. it was exposed. Like, but you know, for the most part, they're always extremely solid defensively, and uh, yeah, I mean, and I, you know, Rising just seems like the right fit for them. Like, I don't know that Cam Rising's an NFL prospect. Maybe as a you know, mid rounder. He's, a, he's type a Taylor guy.
0: Kelly, though. He's yes. the he's the yes. exact right guy for what they do because he protects the ball well. If you if there's a lapse, he will find the yeah. gap you he, and he's a veteran a you're, you're not going to yeah. confuse him you know yep. yep yep and it just seems like he like the team i
1: mean it was clear last year the team played better with him in there there was no argument about that the results were stark like they just be, they believe in him he, he's got a little bit of a running threat uh not the biggest arm you know not he doesn't he's not one of those guys who like you know goes out on the practice field and you see like, oh my God, it just, you know, so big and so strong. And he's got an amazing arm, but he's just a, he's a gamer, I guess, to use that word. And Taylor Kelly's a good fit. Like, you know, he was never a guy who wowed you with his physical tools, but you wanted him on your side because more often than not, he'd come up with the big plays and it feels like that's what Cam rising is.
0: Yeah. He's the kind of guy where you look up at the end of the game and you see, yep. He, he had a very solid game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even put up numbers that you don't realize he put up. Like, you know, I, in, in that Taylor Kelly mold, like he'll hand the ball off a lot. They're going to run it a lot. That's what they do. But maybe at the end of the game, he's thrown for, you know, 250 yards and four touchdowns. You're like, wow, he had a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. It, it just didn't seem like it as we went along. Mm-hmm. So I think they're, uh, you know, my thought on, the college football landscape really since the end of last year was that there were two clear teams that were the best in the country going into this next year. We didn't talk about them yet. So for me, it was who are the other two to make the playoff? And I, I, you know, Utah has been on my mind since probably February and I'm going with it. Why not?
0: Sure. Well, we'll talk about those other two teams next time when we do our rest of the NCAA preview. Yes. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben, Matt Sportscast.